Radio Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 230 with Solara Sophia Rose, actualizing genius, quantum coach, mystic Taurus. Join the team as we get to know Solara, a fun and interesting character that changes the whole of fractal game on the daily. Well met. How's it going, Solara? It's, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, dude, it's been a hot minute. We've been trying. I've been trying to get you out here for like a year. Uh, I mean, straight up over a year now. So I'm glad it finally happened. Uh, third yeah, times the charm, I guess. Finally synchronized our timelines. <laughs> That's how it does. So something we do at the beginning of these episodes is I correspond the episode, which in this case is 2:30, which reduces to five numerologically to a major arcana. In this case, it will be the Hierophant card. I am the teacher of universal law. The Hierophant, or the High Priest, is the caretaker of spiritual knowledge, teaching others what you know, awakening to greater understanding of the world, and paying attention to the details. Raphael, what is your card? We have number 44. It is the Angel of the Karmic Warrior. Belonging to the powers, this angel helps win legal proceedings and obtain protection from judges, protects against the dangers of edged weapons or firearms and assaults. It is God, the eternal lasting, associated with the Five of Cups and the affirmation, I focus all my energy on a new beginning. Qualities include warrior of light, universal protector, spiritual guide, and celestial army. So, Solara, I'm curious if any of that synced and resonated with you. That's so wild. The whole thing just synced and resonated with me. Well, here, the, the Hierophant is my ruling card as a Taurus, and I'm very much, I would consider myself a guardian of the galaxy, a protector, and, and very, uh, I have a, a glorious internal, uh, Hmm. What are, like a calibration system, what is balanced and harmonized with nature, what is fair, what is right, what is just in accordance with divine universal law. And so those cards just wove beautifully together. And five also, to me, represents freedom and change, but creating that through, uh, well, universal law and truth in, in our embodiment, and then also the actual physical, tangible structures that we create in our lives that allow for a greater freedom. So that was beautiful. So maybe allow me to add, there's a few more qualities. I mean, they're all great here in Brian Law's Wizard of Odd deck, but it also includes frank, loyal, courageous, brave, life-oriented towards liquidation of karmic debts, and then especially what I find interesting, understands the role and functioning of borders in the parallel worlds, and best of all, grants the universal passport. Permission slip. Yep. <laughs> I'm looking there at your is. chart because I got it from you before. We're both Gemini moons. Uh, you're a Sun and Venus and Taurus. I also have Venus and Taurus props. Um, but your Mars is in uh, Aries, I think. I'm looking at it. Or yeah, Scorpio. Mercury's in Aries. Mercury's in Aries. That's what I was looking at. So because you've always um, now that I'm seeing the Moon, um, Gemini Moon and uh, Mercury in Aries, you've always have kind of um, 
it's like a bubbling cauldron of information. I know you can be still as a Taurus and you do your own thing, but whenever I've seen you with uh, Timothy Brainerd, who's been on the podcast and some other people, um, also I'm spacing on his name now, Jeremy, uh, I'm forgetting his last name. Um, uh, he's been on the podcast. Like uh, whenever you shot the shit with people, um, Rion, you are able to uh, encapsulate quite a bit of information cogently. Um, it seems like you're, you're a very um, well oiled machine in that sense. So Gemini Moon props, but it's very grounded, you know, in a sense, and, and fiery and peppery. So I know I'm just looking at your chart and you know labeling you all this, that, and the other. But it's finally a great time to get you on. And I guess that's maybe a good place to start. I became aware of you probably three years ago-ish. I don't know, maybe longer. But at some point I saw you – I can't exactly remember. The internet's kind of crazy like that. But I either saw you talking to somebody or somebody quoted your post and it was a good quote or something. And I turned on to your uh, work and, yeah, you have just seemed like a uh, gung-ho – light warrior in the best sense um kind of uh dabbling with dietary situations and helping coach people in a quantum way uh and i've always found you to be very uh i mean must be the gemini moon it's just gang soul gang where i'm like okay yeah she can shoot the shit about anything and she keeps it real so that's my awareness of you and i've seen you talk to like jeremy um uh i'm spacing on the people's names i just said i'm i'm all out of it pisces season indeed but um Timothy Brainerd, I've talked, I've seen you talk to him a few times and do like reflections and stuff. That stuff was cool. Uh, mirroring, maybe it was called. Uh, you guys called it something specific at one point. But anyway, that's how I'm aware of you. Um, so does that ring a bell at all? Yeah, we've been in each other's field for almost, I mean, it feels like five, it five could have been longer. years now. Okay, yeah. yeah, I was like, I don't know. I'm guessing here. Yeah, it's been a while because I remember feeling the similar way. You were posting these epic memes with just these profound universal insights. And it just, and you would always, always tag me in the perfect, exquisite moment where it was just absolutely resonant and relevant to my current experience. And we just kept that, that flow going. Ugh. Cool. So, uh, yeah, it's been a hot minute, but we've never talked at length. Um, so this is kind of an official yo uh, for us. Rafael, I'm sure you like. He's a Libra and he's cool. Um, and this whole podcast was his idea, actually. But let's start off at the very beginning, as they say in The Sound of Music. Kind of walk us through uh, maybe the culture uh, you grew up in when you started coming online with certain abilities or awareness perspectives uh, and we can get up to present moment eventually. Sound good? Yeah, that's great. That's such a, you know, it's always such a loaded question when people ask me to explain or share, describe the narrative of my of my youth because it's been such a radically accelerated catalytic journey to even recollect that far back. Sometimes I feel like I'm going through aeons of time um to to just you know scoop up the records let's time travel all the way I mean, you, don't have, you don't have to be like bibliographic about it to the point it's like call me ishmael you don't have to go forever on it i'm just kind of curious where did you grow up like what state like were you in a christian life was it pagan like just try to get a ballpark of like the roots of what you kind of rose out of yes so i grew up in northeast ohio about 45 minutes north of cleveland and a very uh, original, industrious town, grew up Catholic, was an altar girl. Um, there was a lot of, we'll call it, just to put it mildly, actually, a lot of volatility in the home space. So it was very, uh, it was confusing for me, and it created a 
pretty phenomenal split in my being from an early age to be experiencing the depth of source connection and truth and spirituality that I was in my own unique experience, but then to have uh, these experiences where we would go to church and they would be teaching those things. And then I would come home and there was a lot of, you know, physical, mental, emotional volatility and violence and abuse. And so it didn't make sense. Clearly, it didn't make sense to me why that was happening or what was going on. And my, you know, initial instinct was to think that I wasn't being good enough, or I wasn't doing something right, or I needed to adapt or adjust myself, my behavior, my um, outlook, uh, my, even my gifts in a, a lot of ways to shut them down because I was seeing things that uh, were, you know, at that time, and I will say my family and I, my parents and I are best friends now, and we've come all the way through the other side of this and, and through years of deep healing and reharmonization to the frequencies of love with one another. Um, but when we were going through all of that, you know, they were taking me to psychiatrists and psychologists because they didn't know how to be with, you know, what I was experiencing on the psychic levels and some of the information that was coming through. And so they were, they were trying to have these, um, you know, doctors, so to speak, medicate me uh, to calm all of that or slow all of that down or shut it down. And the doctors actually just kept agreeing with me. And they were like, she doesn't need to be on medication. So finally. She's just really bright. I mean, were you like channeling or what was the kind of look that your parents were kind of worried about? Because having ADD, I mean, you're about my age, I'm 35. Um, people back then, the whole culture was shifting from kind of uh, analog to digi digital. So there was this whole kind of multi tracking mentality. Um, I think, you know, kids growing up with MTV as an option and video games and all sorts of stuff, we have what others might construe as ADD, especially with you with the uh, Gemini moon, uh, you might seem emotionally scattered and kind of like, you know, flighty. Um, but was that the situation or what were the, I mean, were you like, you know, ex were you talking in your sleep? Like what was the thing that was causing them? Were you like, I'm a 5D Pleiadian or, you know, whatever. What, like, what were you doing? <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I was very sensitive, so I was attuned to subtle frequencies and energies in the environment. So there were moments when I was connecting with other intelligences, and I think the thing that got them the most, too, was when I was aware of, you know, things that were going on, you know, quote, behind the scenes that I was telepathically connecting to through either dream time or I was just getting the download of conversations that had happened or things that had arisen, and I would bring them forth. And like we said at the beginning of the call, a very frank manner, like this is what's, this is what's happening. This is what, you know, and they didn't understand how I was extracting that information. And interestingly, when we were in the, many of the offices with the psychologist before, you know, they started bringing me to psychiatrists who can actually medicate, the psychologists were actually seeing me as more of a, a mediator because I was able to, like, in a very refined way, interpret the relational dynamics that were unfolding in the household between my mother and my father, myself, my brother, my sister, all of us, and, and have the solutions to that. And it was the similar wisdom that the psychologists were wanting to bring forth. Of course, it wouldn't be fully heard from me. And my 
my parents weren't ready to implement those changes at that time, just because there was so much in the lineage to unearth and explore and to really face and be with the actuality of what was happening. And of course, that can be a deeply painful process to look at uh, in order for that greater sense of love and, and new new behavior to emerge. And so there are a lot, you know, a lot of um, weaves with, you know, where they were, how does she know this? How is she aware of this? Um, how, you know, how did she know that that conversation happened? Um, because I was just picking it up telepathically. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and how did uh, being a telepathic kind of individual fly with being an altar girl? That's an interesting question. I... <laughs> I mean, it worked well. It was pretty straightforward. You know, it's it's a very structured um, ceremonial art, I'll say. So it was easy to go through the motions and do that. But it didn't, you know, it didn't feel attuned to me because it wasn't in sync with my natural flow. I just did it because it was one of those things that I was told that I had to do. So I was sitting with the that. culture. It's just how it works sometimes. Um, so, okay. So you were kind of going through some tumultuous family life and going through the pageantry of organized religion, but not necessarily relating to it. Was it like a total turnoff? Did you go through an atheist phase or you like, this is close, but not quite. How did you feel about religion in that sense? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I actually didn't turn off to religion entirely. I mean, there were a few years, you know, after, I, I wasn't forced to go to, you know, all the ceremonies and all the, um, you know, church congregations and all of that, where I just set it down. I was like, I'm wiping my hands of this. I'm not going. I'm embracing my freedom. I'm going to go explore other avenues. But with that, it wasn't a shunning of the Catholic Church. It was more of a liberating into my own right to choose when I wanted to be involved with religion and at what what capacity I wanted to be involved. So I actually started steering myself in complete, completely fresh directions, just literally studying and reading some of the greatest religious texts of all time, you know, things like the Tao and working into my way into quantum physics and neuroscience and flow psychology and all these different realms, um, anthropology, studying different cultures. And because I was more interested in the under, you know, the, the undercurrent that was connecting all of these ideologies and philosophies and religions together, because I knew that there was truth there. And so I just set out on a bit of a different path of exploration. Did you go to school? Like I, did, I did. Yeah. So I went to school for business management, psychology, and uh, philosophy, that to me felt very uh, basic. I felt like I was getting like the, you know, it's like when you open something and you're reading the instruction manual, uh, it, it just felt very superficial in as much as there's a lot more depth to be uncovered in each of those realms. And I was learning a lot more on my own than I was actually learning in the schooling system. Doesn't surprise me. You do have Mars and Saturn in Virgo, but your Jupiter's in Capricorn. So it's like you kind of have a pulse on how the world works inherently, it would seem. So, yeah, I mean, 
I'm guessing, you know, one-on-one classes on psychology, Not, I'm sure you did more than that, but it's like they're pretty tertiary uh, and peripheral. You, it's not – and you could probably do kind of like Carl Jung did a lot on his own, um, but also stayed kind of academic. You probably were doing quite a bit on your own uh, anyway. So what was the pl- – I mean, I'm trying to think um, – were you kind of wild in school or like doing psychedelics or were you kind of keeping to yourself? Um, were you telling people you were telepathic? Like, were you still playing the song and dance of Western culture fit in or how did that work? Yeah, that's also a great question. I was very, uh, very actually timid and shy and I kept to myself quite a bit, but I did have a gorgeous intimate group of friends, you know, most everybody, liked me, but I was definitely a people pleaser. <laughs> so I, I, I had that going on. I was really good. I didn't do, um, or clean, I should say. I didn't drink or do drugs because I was already so sensitive. So when I was immersed in those environments, it actually just created a lot of anxiety in my system. And so I always just kind of sense that putting any type of a substance on top of that underlying anxiety would not be a great, uh, you know, elixir, so to speak. And so I didn't get involved with that. Although when I graduated, I did go through my phase of, you know, anything that did not involve, you know, and and nothing hard, like nothing that involved a needle. I just, but I did go full on in all the other realms, trying everything, exploring everything, like in going, you know, as, as far to the other extreme end of the pendulum as one could go in each of those realms of exploration with um, psychedelics and, uh, you know, just the exploration of consciousness and opening and accelerating my own consciousness. Um, but when I was in school, just very, you know, to myself, didn't want to like upset the apple cart, so to speak. And, uh, definitely a people pleaser. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be loved because I wasn't receiving that in the home environment. And so it felt, uh, this is a way of self-protecting, you know, and self-preserving that I did that didn't really utilize my voice. So that was a big learning through. And it still is for me opening, uh, as I open and expand and speak at a larger scale, I'm always, you know, looking at stepping into my next level of power and freely, expressing myself and my truth and my voice without any filters. Uh, so that's been a great learning for me over the course of my life. So you got the degree and then you went full uh, hard in the paint with the psychedelics and stuff. What was your initial impression? Were you like, Oh my gosh, I've, you know, like wizard of Oz, like I'm seeing in color now, or were you like, okay, I see what the hype is, but this isn't for me. Um, what were some of the experiences, uh, you know, positive or negative that you can recollect? And I know we're dwelling a lot of the past. We'll get out of that at some point. You're not really on that wave as much anymore, I know. But I'm just kind of curious as to the portrait of how you got to where you are, stalagmite t- uh, style. Yes. So actually, interestingly, the first psychedelic that kept coming to me over and over and over, and this is really how I uh, – operate with psychedelics, not now because I've taken a lifelong oath of sobriety for one of the organizations I'm involved in and and easefully. So at this time in my life, but then it was just, you know, what was coming to me and what was presenting and it was DMT. And so Whoa, not a child's yeah. toy. It's like weed? No, ecstasy no deemsters. <laughs> yeah, I mean I just that was my first psychedelic experience and i was actually in in the pacific northwest in 
Oregon and I was, you know, living in a home at the time with a beloved friend of mine and we had this gorgeous backyard that just multiple numerous uh, fruit trees and grapevines and raised beds and everything. So we just called it a, a little sacred space and we were going into the experience and I just remember um, hearing what I would always hear in my own spiritual spaces, just surrender and trust me. And so that's what I did. I just let go. I surrendered completely. I switched off my mind and I just melted into the warmth and the safety of the frequency of, of universal trust. And I just surrendered into divine intelligence. And what happened in that space was one that the, the quantum holographic mainframe and blueprint started to reveal its sacred geometry to me. So I was seeing the geometrics of reality of creation of this simulated um, paradigm that we live in. And when I finally closed my eyes, I just went straight to you know, the space and place that we might consider to be home. I mean, there was really no in between for me. It was like, here's, here's the blueprint. And as soon as I close my eyes, just straight home. And of course, that was just a reflection of where I was going in my inner world. And it was just one unified field of light. And it's actually quite similar to what people experience or explain as their experience when they have near death uh, situations where it, it was just absolute and the frequencies of ecstasy rolling and coursing through my system there was no thought there was no mind there was just beingness and i was so i was so expanded into the fullness of all that i was as that infinite field of united light intelligence that i was weightless it was effortless to simply be and i could feel that I was being supported by the rest of infinite creation, that there was no, no need for me to struggle or push or strive or do any of that because all other facets of the self were supporting me. And we were all coexisting as one light by virtue of one another. And so just so many realizations started to pour through in that space. I mean, we're just talking like being the embodiment of revelation, like every question, every, you know, anything that I'd ever pondered or contemplated or reflected on just revealed itself in such an exquisite stream of light intelligence. And I just became the knower, you know, know thyself and thou shalt know all the secrets of or all the mysteries of the universe and God. And it was that moment. I just, I just knew everything. And I, when I first came back, well, well, one, I was just crying because I felt such a depth of warmth and grace and love and compassion and freedom. And then also I was laughing because I realized that no matter how, you know, nuanced the belief was from growing up in a Catholic church, some part of me had envisioned heaven or paradise to be this beautiful castle somewhere in the clouds. And <laughs> there was, <laughs> there was just this recognition that who and what we be, what, what paradise, what heaven 
what all of these spaces we allude to are so much more grand and magnificent and ineffable than we could ever possibly imagine. But simply to recollect through direct experience, it was just so profound. I'm like, oh, this is what's actually going on. This is who we really are. And thank goodness. Oh. Sounds like a positive experience. Uh, that's what's up. Raphael, you have any uh, thoughts on this? And I'm kind of curious because I think I've seen Bashar talking about DMT being like the most natural drug for humans, but I forget. I would have thought it was cannabis or something like that or, you know, you know, some other drug. But uh, Raphael, any thoughts? Well, a level one business and psychology courses are super boring. I know. <laughs> I can only imagine. And in terms of DMT, um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that it's the most natural, just as Solera explained in terms of at least what they say about DMT spirit molecule, when and how it comes into play at birth, apparently at death and so on. And aside from that, yeah, there's almost nothing I want to say. There's nothing much to add. Pretty much agree with your perspective and very much uh, am interested, just as you said, these, the one is ineffable and there's many layers in between and you know even just the next layer up if we go into the right direction is like heaven for us but there's many layers and i can just say i'm very much looking forward towards ever more and more direct phenomenological experience of these realms in this life also in a sober state <laughs> yes i mean that's actually a huge um well, I mean, it's the foundation of all the work that I do in the world is the, to support the expansion of beings in their embodiment, well, to embody the God self. <laughs> so to embody those cosmic frequencies of rapture in this physicalized incarnation. And in my unique experience, that has equated to such a depth of purification cellularly and all the facets of my life, my consciousness, the distillation of divine genius, intelligence, uh, the full illumination of our, of our being. And then, of course, our world starts to reflect that. Um, and we open into great, a greater expanse of that continuously. So then it's about moving with the expansion because the self you know, no matter how actualized it is, it's always unfurling, it's always expanding. So it's, it's quite an art for us to, you know, foundationally become fully illumined with that intelligence and that super consciousness in our vessel, but then to carry those frequencies through in motion as we bloom forth into greater exploration and discovery and creation of the self. I think uh, what's really important in some abstract way is uh, kind of a testament of your own reality is being, uh, because I'm a firm believer that everyone should try psychedelics at least once in their life. Uh, it's kind of like uh, Terrence McKenna used to say, you know, like not doing psychedelics is like not having sex. We're built for this kind of thing. You don't have to do it, but to always, to never have done it is kind of like not seeing the full spectrum of what being a human might entail. Um, and it seems like though you don't tread those waters on the regs now, um, it did open your mind uh, to new possibilities, possibly, or, or change perceptions, like you were saying, and kind of reorder some presuppositions, as well as the way I look at psychedelics, it kind of like blows out the cobwebs of the ego, of cultural attachments, of, you know, um, routinized kind of um, 
you know, habits of the heart, the mind, whatever, spiritual habits, and uh, kind of resets that um, in a very serious way. But also it's a tool and it can get tricky because, I mean, I know I've been, you know, way into eating acid once a week for a while and that's not bad per se. I guess it's not meth or anything, but at the same time, it's not taking it probably as uh, sacramentally as I could or should have done. In any event, I'm glad that you did it. Um, sounds like you had a really good trip and it kind of opened your eyes to the greater holographic hole in a way that you described quite well. So um, were there any other kind of, you know, it seems like you did the whole all you can eat buffet of psychedelics. Like what, did you like mushrooms? Did you like acid? Did you, I mean, were there things you didn't like? Um, I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. So I mean, I really enjoyed them all, but I think a lot of it was preceded by my own state of beingness and consciousness because I've also, you know, seen other beings be in a different state of consciousness when they've engaged with those those sacred tools and technologies and not had a great experience. But I love that you said it blows out the cobwebs of, you know, it's all the subtle micro nuance spaces of consciousness that aren't fully harmonized, synchronized, attuned to the self, that super conscious awareness. Um, and it, it was that experience was one of the most sacred gifts of my lifetime because of what it uh, opened my awareness into and allowed me to carry forth in my experience. Um, one of the things that I haven't ever explored is actual ayahuasca interestingly um but with with acid and uh, uh so yes lsd and mushrooms i love them both a micro dose of lsd is like the perfect amount for me because at this point in my journey just because of the level of purification in my system i'm already experiencing and seeing the holographic reality and watching the malleability of of reality because i've lightened to that that space organically uh mushrooms the first time that i experienced them were just a like it was such a well it was it was such a trip it was very uh galactic for me so it with my first experience of mushrooms i was actually also in a hot spring in pacific northwest in oregon and i just was so literally awe captivated by what I was seeing that I couldn't engage with any of the people around me. I mean, I was seeing fourth dimensional, fifth dimensional, interdimensional alien beings and just realizing because they are massive, like the size of the mountaintops that we were near and they were working in the earth, just like a garden, a gardener would be working in his garden. I was like, wow, we are so minuscule and tiny to these beings. And I was seeing shooting stars just moving at such a swift pace throughout throughout the skies. And I was like, this is happening all the time. My veils of perception just aren't fully open to it. And I just kept going further and further out into the universe, into the omniverse, and just asking what's next. And I remember this massive nebulous eye started to peer through they like started to peek like come through you know the the veil and look at me and i was so awestruck that like so so at first my desire was to lean in so i leaned into that intelligence and as i leaned in it got closer 
And then I pulled back because it was so massive and it was, you know, it's a little bit terrifying to see something like that coming toward you. And so when I pulled back, it pulled back and it's sentient emotive state mirrored mine. And so there's just so many lessons that have come through the spaces of psychedelics for me that also teach me the mechanics of reality and how it is responding to us and mirroring and reflecting us that I then, you know, without the utilization of plant medicines, was able to integrate into my experience and my practice to create reality. Um, and so, so mushrooms took me way, way, way out. But what was really beautiful too is when I finally, again, closed my eyes and came internal, it was just this supersonic dance of sacred geometry, just like a pure kaleidoscope. And I was like, oh, there I am. And I could feel myself and I was experiencing myself. And through that too, I realized how much comfort and solace and creative potential I could find just by coming home to myself, by going deep within my own self that I didn't always need to be looking out there to discover or explore, which then led me into you know, the intricacies of internal self-exploration and discovery in, in which an, an enormous and vast array of intelligence has been revealed to me. Well, thank you for sharing those uh, trip reports. I know that isn't always what you do now. It's weird because I think in some way, I mean, I've heard a story of like, you know, Ram Dass going to India and some yogi eats a sheet of acid or whatever is happening, like a bunch of hits and nothing happens. So I think it's some way, I don't know if it's yuga based or, you know, human evolution or the Western mind or what, but it's like, it seems like it elevates those that aren't on a level where the East probably already dwells naturally, presumably, or, you know, at, at its higher watermarks, like these yogis and, you know, Bodhisattva type people. Um, so you don't need drugs and like, like, you know, holotropic breathing, fasting, meditation, you could do this stuff, uh, toning, right? Chakra chanting. You can get to these spaces, but there is something funny and interesting about kind of relinquishing, um, uh, to, if you know what I mean, it's kind of tricky. It's like relinquishing control, I guess, um, in a, uh, in the egoic mind way where you're just kind of like along for the ride and having to watch, which is always the case. But like when you shut off a certain aspect of yourself, um, it's like, you know, Yes, you drive a car, but have you ever driven a car backwards on the highway at full speed? It's like it's still driving, but it's like a totally different kind of sensation altogether. Um, I'm kind of curious, uh, what is this vow that you've taken to not do these things ever again? What sparked that and what does that refer to? Yeah, so there is a beautiful organization that I am uh, deeply blessed to be uh, a member of and and continuing to to move through coursework and so you know our initiatives are to to bring you know divine consciousness and intelligence into into the world into people's embodiments for a flourishing planet so free energy technologies clean water initiatives all of this and and part of being you know a, be, being a part of that organization uh, requires a lifetime oath of sobriety which for me at this juncture in my journey, it's just a natural, seamless, graceful uh, a choice uh, to make and move into. But I do love what you're saying about that component of psychedelics that does 
you you do you just have to relinquish control you know there's you because you become so acutely aware of how the mind is trying to direct and control things and where we don't allow ourselves to just submerge in that field of beingness havingness knowingness and and in moving through life from that space uh and that's you know that's to to enter into that space without the use of substances i would say is just a devotional practice that that one would likely need to integrate into their daily experience to 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 land in fully and crystallize in their embodiment it is possible um but yeah it was just a an invitation to be a part of this organization and i'm just very passionate about the the free energy technologies and the initiatives for you know planting source seeds and uh new plant life around the earth to enhance oxygen levels clean water initiatives all of this and that felt much more uh resonant and important for me to be involved in than you know and it's funny because i think there's this it's tricky especially in the western american you know you're an american um, culture we have a tendency to like seek pleasure and these things are so pleasurable um that it can become addicting in some kind of weird way um the novelty of it right and and stuff uh but i do think um there everybody's a little different and i'm glad you're respecting of it like i said everyone should try it at least once and just know what's on the other you know how the other half live what's on the other side of the coin but to kind of make an identity out of it or um think it's necessary um this kind of like you know it's tricky because you can do crazy things with uh water wings or or you know tricycle wheels but it's like the goal is to be able to do it on yourself this is this gets tricky because even in the green room you're talking about like you know just like don't worry about perfectibility right and stuff so it's like in a sense if you're doing psychedelics that's where you're supposed to be and as soon as you you know as alan watts said like once you get the message hang up the phone that doesn't mean the phone's disconnected forever but like you don't have to be picking it up every weekend or whatever just because there's a rave in town or you're bored or you know um i think there's a tendency at least in my path where it was like this is such a shortcut that like uh and it's there's so many epiphanies happening um be, because i have done holotropic breathing and uh, exercise and meditation and base, astral projected back in high school um and had as a psychedelic experience as i had on dmt so you're right it is possible but it's just a lot more work it seems <laughs> and um <laughs> yeah it's, it's just not as you know it's the push of a button or the toke of a, a bong or whatever and you're there so it's the lazy man's kind of nirvana but whatevs so we don't have to keep dwelling on drugs but rafael before we kind of ditch off that path is there anything you thought uh would like to contribute to that thought a line of thought just like you said everyone in their own position and where it really gets interesting then and where it's a uh... I guess another type of dance is just what we had been referring to in the green room in terms of what is the progress if everything already is perfect. And if there is any progress, is it maybe only the realization of the perfection that already is? Ah, that's such a beautiful insight. I, um, I feel, you know, progress. That's such an interesting word for me. It's, uh, uniquely it's about the the expansion of our creative landscape so to move from the space of perfection 
and what we have the power and potential and capacity to create and experience. So it's, it becomes more of an experience of the self to self-create and to self-experience, you know, you know, progress. That's an interesting, you know, because there's meaning something still needs to be done. Something still, you know, is requiring perfection when it simply already is that. So embracing that, integrating that, and then moving from that point of perfection. To me, that's where life just comes alive as this glorious, um, well, it's like our novel, you know, our dream fantasy worlds that we get to architect as these prime God creators of our reality and of our experience. And it's just fun. <laughs> mm. And it truly is, in my view, a matter of perspective, because either one could be, let's say now progressing, or in this case, maybe struggling from fault to fault or judgment to judgment, because any observation can be judged, any view of self. Many people love doing that all the time. And it, you know, <laughs> can take something, you know, to decondition oneself from that. Or one could eventually realize that, especially if one understands that this is ultimately a holographic matrix, then everything per definition already is perfection itself for that which it is. And uh, I guess it's just much more comfortable in a sense, fun, and maybe even gives great uh, creative capacity if one considers oneself already to be in perfection and therefore just moving from one perfection to another perfection. And then of course, any ideas of linearity, progress and value system can also be recognized as in a sense, completely arbitrary or practically speaking, because also you mentioned different projects that you are pursuing, it then really just becomes a matter of preference and not so much anymore a matter of, you know, saving something, if everything already is perfect and ultimately cannot be destroyed. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. I'll go to all of that. It's from it, the vision that I get, or, or one of the ways I love to engage with my holographic reality myself is i just envision it as this glorious ball and almost like a masquerade but an authentic masquerade where everybody gets to come alive in their full vibrancy and all of their multi-dimensional archetypes and facets of self and dress up and play and it's like dancing from one ballroom or one gala to the next to the next to the next and having this whole multi-prismatic array of experiences and just really experiencing the self fully in its full vibrancy and, and just enjoying that process. And I suppose, you know, one of the things that is of great value and is just a passion of mine is flow. And this actually ties back into the, uh, the utilization of psychedelics and why I train flow neuroscience, because we're looking for the neurochemistry of flow and that's really what opens up that stream of of consciousness that just floods through us and we get to live in connection to that what i would consider to be our pure power cosmic power super conscious intelligence and and live life from that space and you know the the neurochemicals of flow when they're all activated in synergy with one another are 100 times more potent than any 
psychedelic or street drug. So when the mind is desiring those experiences, it's looking to boost up the neurochemistry of flow. And so I am all about the free energy technologies, anything that we can do to introduce more of that frequency to the planet organically, which really just gives people full access to themselves. Um, and, you know, we can do it in the, the most organic, pure way available that's, you know, at some point will be just as easy as, you know, ingesting a psychedelic, but will be something that we're all experiencing and thriving in together in a much more cohesive way, because it really is our natural state. I guess maybe one way to see this, this is how I oftentimes like to imagine, like, you know, if there's anything to achieve, there's a certain place I'd like to see with all kinds of factors included, I'm not going to get into now, but the ultimate idea is, whilst everything is a choice of interpretation and individual decision and outlook, you know, fear or love, ultimately, still, we can recognize that there is all kinds of environmental factors. Number one, we can, you know, redefine, transform, but also instead of putting ourselves into a routine, a culture, an environment and relationships that basically, you know, how should I say, hinder not even development, but just disconnection to one's own divinity. Instead of surrounding ourselves with those ideas, I just see an environment where, you know, it's just full of, you know, huge crystals, Tesla Lakovsky multi-wave oscillators, structured water, uh, raw food for those who enjoy it, and dancing, basically. You know, it's actually, I think ultimately this is so supremely simple, it's astounding. And then instead of having all of these factors, you would need to transform or redefine. It's like in a, you know, racing video game or something. There's just boost, booster pads on your road, like anywhere you could go. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I believe we can restructure our, in our own psyche, of course, our own holographic matrix, but also then physical ultimately, of course, in that way. And then, yeah, instead of having, let's say, all the apparent environment against us in a sense it will actually be just accelerating that process and i very much already see that happening and i see quite some explicit engineering to be able to go into that and then make it really simple for everyone and then it's really just a very optional choice whether you then still want to indulge in any type of particular substances just because you know All of those factors combined will already elevate you and your art and so on, dance, music, some of the other things I mentioned. And I believe that's plenty to encourage the endocrine, you know, production of just what you had mentioned in terms of supreme bliss uh, state. Mm, stunning. <laughs> Thank you for that beautiful interpretation and weave. But, you know, and I love that you, you just, I see, I see, I see. And that's really where it starts is in that shift of perception, because perception is inception. And that reorients and reorganizes the holographic uh, field and networks of self and divine mind. And that's how these expanded Uh, octaves and timelines of creation uh, become our experience. You know, even in a sense, we're not really creating anything. We're just harmonizing to that which already is. And that's one of the gorgeous ways we do it. We start with seeing it and perceiving it and anchoring the felt sensation and frequency of those dimensional realities. 
And then everything reorchestrates and reorganizes itself to align us in, in coherency with those realities. And that's really the simplicity of you know, we might call it creation or manifestation or simply alignment and self-attunement to those realities that are already here and that already exist. And I'm so excited <laughs> for us. <laughs> So this is where I always get my chin scratching in because, uh, and I'm not against it at all what you guys are saying, but I'm like, all right, look, at, if we look at reality, I guess based off of the kind of Bashar model, which is like, there's a lot of people preferring certain things. I get, you know, whether it's starvation or war or whatever, uh, COVID, all this shit. Um, it seems that it's, it's paradoxical to me in a sense where it's like, Everything's cool, but um, like when we were talking about progress earlier, that kind of denotes um, judgment towards a certain end goal in process. And if we could kind of hold back uh, as a species, hopefully maybe this is part of our evolution. Uh, maybe it's whatever. Like I don't know how to it, – it's the big mystery to me. It's like how can we be part of something that's so not in alignment yet is, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, like so they, there's gestation in the womb and we'd be like, all right, you know, we don't expect a zygote to be nine months old. We don't expect nine month old to be a four year old, et cetera. So it's like, there's no judgment there. Right. Um, and it seems that we were talking about this yesterday on the podcast uh, with Znor. Um, he was talking about Emerson and how he had some kind of, um, philosophy, Ralph Walter Emerson about, um, kind of, uh, the, di the dynamics of polarity. I mean, it was kind of I Ching ish stuff, but like, you know, there's like full moon and new moon energy and these poles are so beyond human comprehension that we kind of play through the process of them so in some sense it seems like whatever perfection is that we're striving for like you know whether it's the transcendental object in time in a mckenna sense or kubla khan or nirvana or whatever like it's this thing we're stretching towards even in the jinkies we've had richard rudd on the podcast and i read the jinkies every morning uh with my fiance and um he's talking about the innate the innate struggle built into our dna like it's a movement um but it seems like there's a spiritual psycho like a psycho spiritual level of hmm, separation from the process that allows for the perspectives that you guys are talking about that I, it feels like i can crack crack it sometimes but not always if that makes sense so sometimes i'm like holy shit this is uh, yeah the dream is amazing and it's alive and full and then i'm sitting here being like so what is movement and what is expansion that's in, you know, processes in relation. It's not just static, right? So it seems like this huge dynamic kind of paradox flux machine or something like that. Um, like I said, not to like let the air out of your all's balloons because I'm not trying to do that. But it, like in an Alan Watts sense, I guess we had to like fall into a level of ignorance to the degree where we're finding great joy in recovering awareness. Is that kind of how you guys look at it? This is a beautiful space of exploration and very relevant, actually, in the Flow Research Collective with Stephen Kotler, which is who I study with. They, he also talks about struggle being an inherent built-in part of the flow cycle that we as a species haven't seemed to be able to transcend up into this point in time. Although the way that I interpret uniquely struggle is resistance and the perfection is realized through acceptance of the perfection. So the struggle is our own unwillingness to surrender into the perfection, in which case it reveals 
itself to us organically. And so I, I suppose a, a question would be why we resist the acceptance, the resting, and the, the letting go of control, as we were alluding to earlier in the conversation. And the way that I see this working with the mind and with the the larger movement of reality itself is that the the entire holographic landscape is a simul it's simultaneous flow is a simultaneous movement things are simultaneously existing infinite potentials possibilities realities timelines are all existing in the now moment and we as the prime choosers and deciders and selectors of our experience are choosing which timeline or frequency we are going to embody and emanate into our experience. And so, you know, even if we look at the human brain, it, there's a natural split. There's a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere. The divine mind that is super consciously, super symmetrically synchronized to flow is an omni-intelligence. It's a golden omni-mind that actually allows the left and the right hemispheres of the brain to fuse and fire together operating is one. And this is just a, a visual that I have received through my own deep internal cellular rewiring. Uh, and I've seen the evolution of the human brain into the omni-intelligence, into the golden divine mind that sees only through that lens of perfection. And in, in my unique inquiry process, when I have asked why have we selected into uh, separation or dualism or any of that, it was just a very simple, you wanted to know what that experience was like. And, and so I said, okay, <laughs> and now I'm ready to, to know what the experience of that total unification is. And in uh, what I'm experiencing now in this human body is that's a whole rewiring and recalibration of the physical uh biology that's what's up rafael agreed <laughs> right because i'm not trying to be like a debbie downer but i tend to be very contrarian so like i agree with everything y'all are saying at a level and then part of me is like but if that makes sense and i think that's but just what, but what? Just, well, I guess the weirdest way to put it is like when, and you know, Alan Watts it comes to mind where it's just like we had perfection and unity awareness, and it was boring. So we said, let's jump into the pool without water wings and see how drowning uh -huh. feels or whatever. And now I'm like, I'm kind of tired of inhaling water, but we do do it. So it's like kind of this weird place of movement towards what is inherently so. It's it, that's why it's so paradoxical to me. It's like it's just a, I mean, it's like one of those um, optical illusions. It's like it is an old lady, or it is a, you know, a young lady too. It's like depending on how you look at it. It's but it's one thing necessarily. It's not like it, it, it doesn't change your perspective changes. So I guess I'm still very much in process, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, that could be astrological. That could be many things. But uh, yeah, it's it psychedelics like for me like i got into this zone that you guys are talking about more readily on acid and stuff like that where i was like oh yes i remember now okay yeah 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 whereas when i'm not i'm like man this is a very dense reality with a whole lot of cause and effect that i you know it, it kind of gets um it feels like 
like uh, getting stuck in Jumanji or something. Or it's like this was a game, right? Like I don't, I don't remember. Like <laughs> do I have to roll out of this bitch. Like what do I have to roll to get it, like win this? I don't I'd, understand. I'd be curious to to understand how Solaris sees this. And also, I have you know humbled myself to the realization that really these paths are so unique. So there is really no generalization. At the very least, for me, I may always have, for some strange reasons, been attuned or beckoned towards this path of whatever unification realization however that's my impression now but the question for me is um how i completely spaced on my point right now <laughs> word well, solara well, go for it yeah, I'll just chime in while you remember. We'll just braid that back through. Um, that sounds like the first-person perspective of the Holy Spirit or something while we're fucking around down here. It's like, I'll just do this thing while you guys remember. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> It'll come back. Oh Well, when I was actually in that unified field of light, when I was on my DMT, when I was having my DMT experience, <clears throat> I remember saturating in that field of ecstasy and exactly what you just said. I said, okay, this is great. I can come back here whenever I want. I want to have a different experience. I wanted mobility. I wanted to uh, explore other facets or individuations of self. And I knew that that was a space that I would always return to in between incarnations. So literally I got bored of the ecstasy and not that I was bored of the ecstasy. I just wanted to move and do something different than sitting and immersing in that field of bliss. I wanted to move with it. And so that's why I chose to come back into my physical incarnation after that experience. Okay. So thank you. Um, you also referred to what I wanted to ask about or mention or ask your perspective on this. So the way I experienced it in a sense was having certain realization and altered states of consciousness. And then in my case, because I already had some mental structure or some self-confidence or, you know, at least some belief in my own perception or understanding, I basically immediately grabbed onto that because then it was not merely like a theory, like, for example, we could all be separated, or we could all be simultaneously be one. <clears throat> you know, are you like infinite, internal, indestructible or not? That's a pretty fundamental question. And as soon as I kind of felt or had that realization embodied through altered state, I was immediately grabbing onto it and was like, okay, if I haven't gotten it until now, at the very least by now, this is the mental framework, emotional, however you want to put it, that from now on, in whatever pace is appropriate, has to supersede whatever my default waking like state of consciousness exactly was uh, previously. And then if you consciously remember that all the time, then still reality may seem dense and there, especially talk about causation. Causation is one of the most arbitrary things as I understand it by now. But anyhow, um, so even then, if you get stuck or into a negative emotion or something, this can be consciously remembered and then at the very least, it's what happens with me. I then smile on my own upon my own frustration or something, because whilst I'm feeling that, I know that it's ridiculous, not to say ludicrous, uh, seen from that vantage point. And ultimately, that can more and more supersede everyday waking reality. And, uh, you know, that just gives a completely different experience. How did you experience that, Solara? What's your approach uh, in terms of this 
let's say merging of the perspective because you know the eyes of heaven in a sense can be and shall be brought uh, to earth right mm, yes i mean i think that humor is one of the greatest tonics in all of existence i i find myself often if i'm in a moment of you know, wanting to rush things or move too quickly, or I just laugh, I laugh at myself. And I'm like, right, you know, and I, I just have that recognition. I am the source, I am God, I'm just going to completely for so for me, it's about owning the now, like, I'm just going to own the now and I'm going to love it so fully. And I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to make love to it. And I'm just going to be so here now fully engaged. So if there's another moment that I'm attempting to you know, reach into or accelerate into, just have to remind myself that yes, I can be moving in those directions, but while in rapturous embrace of what is right before me and just be enthralled with the gnosis that I am the self. I mean, that's so enough <laughs> for me to turn me on and elucidate my body and electrify my biocircuitry. I'm like, I'm the God self and this whole game is mirroring and reflecting and refracting me in every moment. It's so transient and whatever I'm choosing right now is going to be my experience. So just um, for me, remembering to just stay in love. <laughs> well, maybe on that note, uh, we could take a quick music break. It's funny. You were talking about making love to the kind of dream in the Godhead mode. Uh, this is a Daft Punk song called Make Love. They just broke up recently, which saddens me, but I think it's just the end of their robot iteration. They'll probably come back one day. So uh, anyway, hopefully you enjoy this and you can get some tea and kick back and enjoy the jam. Welcome back. So uh, I don't think we totally got caught up to what you're up to now. We've done psychedelics in college and all this stuff. I'm curious um, when you started kind of turning on to galactic levels of stuff i mean it sounds like you've always had your foot in the door so to speak but when did you start being like i'm gonna do this you know i'm gonna coach people at a quantum level i'm gonna help them understand stuff um you know i've heard you talking to certain people about like galactic heritage kind of stuffs uh so kind of guide me uh, if you guys want to talk about that uh guide me through how that process worked for you and what it's been like some of the flavors you're working with yeah, so it's actually been quite an organic unfolding. I started to work in the realm of DNA activation and channeling uh, through messages for people uniquely. And then as I started to really synthesize the blueprint of divine intelligence, I just got very clear instructions to build, you know, this, this multidimensional we'll call it this genius avatar and really support people with a deep layers of embodying the god self and embodying that super intelligence and what that actually requires of us in our physical bodies and in our mental emotional spheres and all of this uh and so i just started to translate through those blueprints and just guide people and i just got the clear you know message just transmit life intelligence transmit divine intelligence just do this and everything else will you know, synchronize, fall into place, all of that. And as I've just been moving with that passion and channeling it, all of these gorgeous uh, invitations and speaking opportunities and, uh, you know, just I have a f over 300 
international clients now. Um, all of this just started coming out of me transmitting that intelligence and really meeting people precisely where they are in their journey and their experience. Like, would you love to, to explore these realms? You know, some people are uh, desiring just healing and resolution in their family uh, situations. And some people are, you know, requiring a depth of support with their health and well-being and embodied flow mastery. And other people are looking at how to generate uh, and, and exponentially duplicate resources. And whether that's money or free energy or, you know, there's all these different realms that we can play in from the vantage point of the infinite self. And I'm just very present to what is brought to me. Mm. that's what's up um so i'm curious um when because uh, Raphael channels and he can talk uh, about that too if he wants um i guess i consider playing music and pulling cards channeling i mean in a sense in a, in a semantic sense what's not channeling but i'm curious if like you're getting like you know, guides telling you, Jim's got this problem, tell him what's up, or is it more of like you engage and then you just flow through the patterns of your own culture and experiences? Like, that's how it feels to me. Like, I'll allude to a lot of movies when I'm doing cards and stuff, so it feels organic, like you're saying. It doesn't feel so much like, oh, I just had this, you know, higher self tell me I have to say this. Like, how is your process, uh, and there's no right or wrong answer, I'm, I'm just curious how, how phenomenologically on the uh, driver's seat it feels for you to be guiding people. Yeah, that's gorgeous. It's such a beautiful question. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I feel that we're all channels because we're all channeling who we be, which is that intelligence. So for me, there's no separation. So I don't really connect into guides. I mean, I do commune with different intelligences as my allies as my companions just like we're all commuting and having a gorgeous discussion here but i don't consider them to be like my, my... i'm just curious like ganesh or oh, like what, are you, what are you rocking <laughs> well man where do we want to go so all of the archangels ascended masters the elemental wisdom mother majesty gaia herself all the different deities um, you know, playing in, in the Hindu and the Indian realms, the ancient Egyptians, the Arcturians, Pleiadians, Atlantis, um, Syrians, the different galactic star councils and cosmic councils of light intelligence. I mean, I'm very connected to, I mean, sometimes I actually channel through Tesla and Einstein too, if I'm looking for like a precision answer around how to build something or architect something, I'll call upon, you know, some of those masters, Yeshua, Mary Magdalene. There's so many beautiful beings that I have built a relationship with. So these aren't just like why I have, I can feel the uniqueness of their essence and their transmission. Um, and that's why, you know, if I'm looking to, to, to trans, when I'm transmitting, I'm transmitting straight from the fountainhead of source, which is the unification of all intelligence at its greatest peak, you know, most pristine quality emanation. So I go right to the fountainhead when I'm transmitting, just, and this is what I call genius intelligence, um, the pattern of life itself that we see woven everywhere throughout nature, throughout our fingerprints, the universal Tao, so to speak. Um, but, you know, I connect in with these different deities for different purposes and for companionship at different times. Um, and they just they 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 grace my path and support my path, just like friends in real time. 
when you were saying this, it kind of reminds me of uh, posters I've seen of like all the Pokemon or, uh, you know, all video game care, all the X-Men, whatever, where it seems like um, the unit, like we'll just use Pokemon as an example, all the Pokemon exist in the universe, but then there's articulations of different archetypes being expressed through different polarity points, elemental kind of patternings, whatever. Um, so do you look at it almost like uh putting a filter over the perception of that kind of genius self um and do you look at it as talking to yourself just another form i'm kind of curious about that yeah so i definitely see it all as uh, an emanation reflection of self so one of the the most focalized vantage points for me is to just you know beloved to beloved self to self in in our purest emanation and me just doing that dance directly with the divine the divine in all moments but then also with a recognition that you know you as jim are a very unique avatar and character with all of these qualities and characteristics and personality traits and flavors and styles and colors and that's what makes you and just even tonality like the symphony of you is completely unique and so what you're going to bring forth and transmit is going to be completely different from you know let's say i'm talking to the dalai lama and and they're all beautiful but they're all very distinct in their own way and so when i'm channeling prime intelligence you know, I'm just going to the, you know, it's like going to the top of the mountain for, for the fresh spring water versus the tap. Uh, and or not even the tap, even like a water filter or different brands, you know, it's just, it feels like the most pure quintessential space for me to transmit from because that truth, that light, that brilliance is inherent to all of us. And it's recognizable by all of us. You know, if, if I were just channeling a deity, it might connect in, with many beings but you know it would just be a variation of that greater truth through the filter of that avatar interesting so um when did you start shifting from i mean it seems like you were kind of gearing with the degree and stuff to help people in an entrepreneurial capacity with their minds <laughs> i guess you could say um when did you start kind of deciding uh, like you now you've said you got 300 plus clients internationally uh, and you're doing a lot of seminars and stuff like that when did that ball start getting rolling because i think when i started turning on to you you might have just started doing that uh or maybe been more vocal about it i'm not sure like i that's when i was aware more of like oh you know we can do this packages isn't the right word but it's like hey hit me up for this service or whatever um kind of talk a little about what you're up to on that front yeah so i've been dancing in this realm for almost a decade but i i wasn't so much in the media realms uh until the last three to four years that has started to grow and expand uh exponentially just of course the more attuned i am the more opportunity there is just directly from source from life itself to share and transmit that wisdom so but i've always had a fascination and curiosity with the psychology and it's still one of the foundational components of what i train is super intelligence because when we're aligned to divine mind well we're free we're united we're free everything is clear we have a laser clear line of intelligence we're interpreting our experience from the highest octave of perception that's available, our, our emotional body, our neurochemistry also, you know, receives the translation of that. Um, and so it's optimal thrival 360. And the first 
aspect and component of that is dialing consciousness. And actually, even the technical definition of flow is an optimal state of consciousness where we feel our best and perform our best. And so, you know, the, the psychology and all of that has been a huge component. But when I really started to go deep within and recognize these patterns of, of genius, of intelligence, of creation, I just became so compelled um, and passionate about them. And so it was just natural for me to start sharing and then bringing forth, you know, DNA activation opportunities, opportunities for people to join me in more immersive long-term odysseys where we're going through a complete reinvention and rewiring of their system and then moving out with, so it's, you know, Infinity Collective Actualize Your Genius. That's my prime brand name. And, and that's really all about first wiring ourselves with the intelligence of genius or, you know, synchronizing to it and then moving out into the world and creating with our genius, more beauty, more novelty, you know, all things that mirror and reflect the genuine nature of the self. Uh, so there's many ways that I work with people uh, in that regard now, but, but you know, the whole synthesis of my work, in a more public social way has been in a decade. And, and then of course, within the past three to four years, just accelerating more in the speaking media, social realms. Cool. So I'm curious if uh, that's like going to be my epitaph, I guess. Like I was curious. Um, I'm wondering if you, uh, have I, I think you were doing some specific dietary stuff at one point. I'm not sure what you're up to now, but I think you were eating very little, uh, as I recall, like uh, intermittent fasting, like on steroids uh, and pretty much raw vegan. What's uh, what's your, I mean, we don't all have to copy your exact palette of like to do lists, um, but what's kind of your regimen in terms of interfacing with the physical reality? Um, and I'm kind of curious what you think non genius would be. Ah, that's such a good question, Touche. <laughs> um, so, okay, so let's start with the the physicality. One, I am a Taurus. I'm a very, and I've also got Cancer as my rising sign. So, very sensuous, earthbound, nature loving creature. Love the sensuous pleasures and novelties of life. Um, so, when it comes to nourishing myself, my primary because I'm still big into the realm of nutrition, nourishment, neurochemistry, neuroscience, and flow, and embodying that. It's just around uh, everything that's organic and from the earth. That's my foundational, you know, uh, mode that I live by. So fruits, vegetables, uh, sprouted nuts, grains, seeds, um, lentils, things like that, just pure, 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 fresh uh, palladium gold infused uh Mountain Valley spring water, you know, things like that, just as, as, as close to the source as I can get. I love to support uh, small businesses who are, you know, making some of these Epicurean health food, you know, sprouted living products. So just pure, natural, fresh, organic uh, from the earth. So that's, and, but I'm still intermittent fasting. I mean, I don't, I just eat. So sometimes I'll snack throughout the day on just like raw, fresh fruits. Um, and then in the evenings, I have a bigger meal, which 
I'm not doing all raw now. I am doing some baked vegetables because I was recognizing my body needing some some warmth and satiation and grounding. Um, but I make a gorgeous, uh, you know, cornucopia of life, so to speak, for dinner every night. And I just enjoy all the things that I love and the way that my body, um, you know, calls for nourishment. And so I just listen to my body's wisdom. And, and for me, that has worked out to be daily intermittent fasting until around, you know, five or six in the evening. Um, so fresh fruits and water during the day. And then, um, yeah, big voluptuous meal at night. Um, and then the second, what is non-genius? Well, I would say everything inherently is genius intelligence. It's just a question of, does that facet of intelligence choose to remember that that's what it is. So I would say non-genius, my interpretation of that would just be anywhere where there's uh, any level of discord or disharmony with the self that is taking place, which then mirrors and reflects itself through choices, behaviors, um, habits, all of that. I'm pretty sure my pearl, uh, the shadow, is discord. <laughs> so it's like I live in a very discordant reality at worst. Uh, very empathic reality at best. So, um, Raphael, is there any uh, kind of questions you have? I know I've been asking a lot. Well, as I sense, I can kind, kind of grok where you're coming from. There's nothing in particular here because we've been talking about nutrition a lot, of course, and uh, intermittent fasting and so on. And then, you know, ultimately, it, it seems to me like for many, these things just uh, fit together. And, uh, you know, physical supports, the spiritual supports, the physical. Yeah. So, Solara, I'm kind of curious where you see things going for the DAO. Um, I mean, we don't have to get too political. And you did mention that you wanted to kind of bring up some quick controversial stuff. But uh, before we jump maybe into headlong into whatever that might mean, uh, do you think exploring Mars with Elon Musk is a great idea or is it superfluous? Like Raphael <laughs> kind of laughs at that and is like, this is redundant technology. Like, what are we doing? Um, so how do you look at, you know, crypto and just the way the world's going? Do you think it's, we just had Kaipacha on yesterday, Kaipacha Lecture, and he was talking about aromatic forces and kind of um, the, uh, the thought behind um, Rudolf Steiner kind of being like, there's kind of a hardening principle going on. Um, if we get into astrology, the age of Aquarius is very kind of intellectual, um, you know, and maybe tech technical. So how do you look at where things are going, given it's all perfect? What, you know, how are you trying to dream? Mm, gorgeous. Um, well, the first thing that comes through is the synthesis of intelligence. So what we're actually crystallizing is that omni, that omni divine mind right now. And that's what's landing, fully integrating in our vessels. And, you know, the mind, the networks of mind, what, the, what I perceive that universal Tao to be are the grand networks of a larger intelligence, a sentient mind, um, is what's creating the reality. It's what's allowing for the self to um, perpetually bloom forth and create itself anew. Uh, so, so let's just go back into like a specific realm of first we'll touch on so let's so okay so astral travel let me just go there first with with you know elon musk and, and mars and traveling to other planets you know 
we're just going to do the same thing there <laughs> that we do here if the intelligence isn't on board. Um, but I think that we have the very profound and exquisitely beautiful capacity to astral travel in our light body between atmospheres. So this is a high calibration of the physical the physical avatar. This is starting to open up our 13-strand diamond DNA just as a, a foundational evolution of the human genome and the human species. But as we unlock this greater power and potential that lives within our DNA, and that intelligence begins to uncoil and expand and emanate through us, these new capacities and abilities begin to come online. And one of those is interdimensional, interstellar travel in our light body. And I believe that that is accessible, you know, for those of us who are walking this path and choosing that, it's it's accessible here now in this lifetime, just like in bi biblical times, you would see different avatars living to 800, 1000 years old. And we see this now on the earth, breathitarians and people who are living purely off of um, sunlight and water and breath. <laughs> and and so we have these capacities. It's just like a muscle. Do we choose to flex it and have that experience? And of course, the outer technologies can assist in that profoundly. Uh, but I don't foresee them being a requirement by any means. I, you know, just like the Egyptian phased in uh, the architecture of the uh, pyramids in, a, in congruence with the cosmology, we have the capacity to do all of this telepathically uh, as well. So there's many realms of exploration we can get into there and what our true sophisticated potential is as divine creator beings um, on the earth. And in cryptocurrency, I absolutely love, and it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's where it's the wave of the future. It's where everything is headed. So right now, about 1% of the population is utilizing cryptocurrency. In the next six to eight years, we're going to see 50% of the population um, utilizing cryptocurrency. And I foresee within the next decade, the way that things are exponentially accelerating, we're going to see the mass majority of the population transitioned into decentralized currency. Um, which to me is just a personification of the free energy that we're all starting to access through our direct uh, embodiment of source intelligence and consciousness. Um, and I'm excited for it because it allows for the free flow of infinite resources on our planet so that all beings and all life can thrive at its truest, fullest potential uh, and capacity. And there's some, you know, I was waiting for a while for an integral crypto coin to come through. So I'm going to give a shout out right now to Coin Metro's XCM. It's a brand new coin within this year, and it has been on a deeply integral, integral, uh, positive upward growth spiral and trajectory, and it's growing by hundreds of percent daily. So it's it's the most integral coin that I've seen, and now is a great time. Uh, to invest if that's something you're desiring to explore, play in, educate yourself around, you know, start experiencing because it is the way of, of the future, um, you know, to get yourself acclimated to it would be a, just a, an excellent idea and just a fun thing to explore and, and you know, play with uh, and learn. And, and that coin has been the most integral that I have discovered thus far but you know play with as many as you want to have fun uh you know dance in those realms and you know i have some clients currently who uh 
pay me in cryptocurrency and I just withdraw and put it right in my bank account. So, you know, while we're still utilizing uh, the fiat currency system, you, you can still advance in both realms quite uh, simply. Cool. Uh, Raphael, did you want to talk about crypto? Because to me, it seems like, yeah, we're the, the head is crowning on the new AM, but we're not birthed yet. So it's kind of this weird transition, like we're amphibious. <laughs> we're not of the water, but we're not on land fully yet. So it seems like we're kind of in this transitory phase. Um, and I mean, I, you know, there's enough new age kind of documentaries and whatever out there. People, you know, on the one hand, you could be like the reptilian overlords are trying to shut down your pineal gland with all sorts of, you know, chemtrails and fluoridated water and then that's what i'm like but isn't it perfect or isn't this what we're like is this this aren't we asking to be during this you know movie set and that's where it gets paradoxical to me because sometimes people you you know look at certain facts or you know opinions facts whatever uh, situations and uh they want to reorient themselves based off of that information for example i mean like what you're doing like i want to eat natural shit based off like, of their their interpretation of the information i'd like to stress because with any of these scenarios especially also crypto and all possibilities are always you know available but you can just as well as we had done here on the show as well you know create a threat scenario or create a paradise scenario and the technology neutrally seen has both the capacity to deliver both However, then we're also back at the old and young lady image, however you want to call it, you know, both are there, like I said, and it really very much depends how do you look at it. It's good to be aware of both sides, but it's also very good to be aware which side you prefer because it both informs your actions. For example, here now, what crypto to invest in, especially not so much invest in could be an example, but also metaphysically in terms of the vibration you put out which re of those realities you are aligning yourself to. And that's why I think it's quite relevant to be very discriminating here. Right. Mm. It gets into like causal necessity. So it's like, we wouldn't have crypto if we hadn't had world war two, we would probably, I mean, I'm guessing like we wouldn't have these Silicon based technologies, IE in the internet, maybe native Americans would have come up with that in some other way, but probably not. So there's this trend to be like, oh my gosh, re-naturize, re, you know, remember the past and all these cultures that are kind of getting uh, absorbed into the empire of post-Rome, post-Babylon, whatever. Um, do you see what I mean? It's like this weird paradox where it's like, holy shit, it's a shit show. But at the same time, I guess it's all good. <laughs> That's where I'm always kind of like, sure. Uh, I mean, I didn't, for a good example maybe is like Donald Trump where it's like, I didn't vote for him. I wasn't a big fan. He's a Gemini suddenly arising as I am. So I could just see a lot of like my own weird shadows in him. Um, but at the same time, I was kind of laughing at the situation and saying, I guess this is how the universe wanted to cause, you know, wrecking ball some uh, uh, establishments and, you know, uh, crony, you know, capitalism and uh, Clinton's Bush kind of back and forth thing. It's just a weird play, I guess, to me. Um, and maybe you guys don't pay much attention to it. And I know that gets into the whole conversation of like the media is like hypnotizing you with certain perspectives to cause you to fear, which causes, you know, you to lower your frequency. 
So, but at the same time, I don't think ignorance is bliss. So it's kind of this catch twenty two, where it's like, how informed should we be? What should we be paying attention to? Yeah, and what and sources what... are you paying attention to? And I mean, the easiest example, because you know, this comes up again and again with TV and the programming and the strange frequency of it and all of that. But the most simple way, especially since you have advertisements for all kinds of drugs, I mean, of course, it's easier to sell a depression drug to people that are depressed, right? And this is just so great business. So it's really also very much about where do you get your information from? And I guess most importantly is do you always have your own connection to your own higher self or however you want to put it, which is then the ultimate arbiter or again, as we previously discussed, the real template. That's how I actually proceed in reality, to be quite honest with you. And it at least so far has served me well to kind of even check any information against, you know, metaphysical principles and so on and then see where you can glean information and where it's just about you making a preferential choice. Um, yeah. So there's quite a few aspects here to be aware of. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that you said that is the ultimate temple, well, temple, <laughs> the kingdom, the template in, in which to observe um, all other information from, you know, that being a pillar of orientation. And I very much interpret um, energy and narratives in the same way. So when I'm looking at the grander scope of the self and its movements, I mean, all intelligence from my vantage point is moving into synchrony and harmony with the self, ultimately, because things start to break down and not not literally not function or operate appropriately, correctly, um, in, in harmony, if we're not moving in that direction. So all intelligence is... is innately compelled towards its own wholeness as that in incongruence with that overarching template that master template that you're that you're speaking of and so then you know in a lot of ways for me the world stage becomes a muse and it's all um i mean i think it's just an opportunity for love really the integration of 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 empathy and love's intelligence so that we can move forward in in total coherency with the the grander self avatar cool and i'm uh one more question that i'm kind of curious about what you wanted to talk about that was controversial <laughs> um in light i mean because of the holographic nature i guess we could say that you know orion wars against pleiadians and all this kind of stuff is an extension of ourselves in another dimensionality and if if the whole kind of shebang is moving in a certain direction, those things become less occurrent. Is that kind of your stance or presupposition? Like we're all moving towards unity. So at some point, maybe the Orions won't be assholes or what that kind of thing. Is that how you guys like oh, reptilians or whatever? When it comes to the galactic flavor, I'm always fascinated because to me, I was always like, all right, we're projecting Jungian archetypes further out. Basically is how I presumed it was. And whether that's the, baseline materially reductionistic interpretation or what it quote is doesn't really matter um i'm just wondering like if we get our shit together does the galaxy like have a huge ewok celebration like at the end of <laughs> return of the jedi or uh do you think that reality demands tension and struggle so instead of you know worrying about nation states we start going to deal with black holes and other shit like how, how do you look at the the narrative development as a not only as humans but in a galactic sense 
Yeah, that's a stunning question too. I mean, the the reality, the hologram emulates our internal state of consciousness and frequency. And so whatever we are choosing to be, whichever narrative we are choosing to, you know, is it true and is it relevant? Or some of the questions that I ask myself around some of these narratives. Um, and then it's whatever we are choosing to cultivate and align to and harmonize with in our being that our unique uh, holographic reality will emulate back to us. And so it's just, again, it's choice and preference, which narratives and realities are we choosing to land in? Because if it's all existing simultaneously, then my question is, well, do I want to land in the reality where there's, you know, strife and struggle and, and war and hardship? Or do I want to land in the nirvanic paradise where things are blooming and flourishing and thriving and joyous and celebratory? And, and so then it becomes about aligning my internal landscape with that narrative fully, wholly and completely so that that be the reality that I uh, cohere with. Um, and I don't think that it's a, you know, a one, I think we're all selecting the version of reality, the version of earth. This is where it even gets fascinating in the spiritual communities around, well, new earth and all of this. Cause to me, that's just per the perfected earth. It's already, it's, it's here. It's the optimal timeline choice from, from my vantage point. And so I just go straight to the source head with everything. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just going to choose the optimal timeline and vibrate um, into those experiences so that my reality does not contain any reflections of anything that would be undesirable for me uniquely to experience. And that I'm experiencing only that, which is a pure reflection of my own divinity. But that starts within me and we all have that choice. I don't think that it's like a, a global thing. If this is going on, everybody must be, experiencing it even throughout this whole COVID thing I have traveled more this year I've been at my in my greatest health my greatest vibrancy I have literally 20x my revenue in a year where many people you know I've seen people on both sides of the coin um, throughout all of this but it, it's all around what I have chosen to align myself with in my experience and that's how phenomenally powerful we all are is it's not just one world it's the world that we're experiencing internally that becomes the world that we actually resonate with and align with and experience i guess it's just got to be a couple notches back from dmt pure bliss ecstasy because that was boring or something uh we'll we'll figure it out because it's moving somewhere i mean clearly like things are changing um so it, it's going to be interesting to see how things progress. I mean, this year, yeah, like you said, it's uh, been really good in some ways and really hard in some ways for everybody in uh, lots of various ways. So what was the thing in the green room that you said you wanted to talk about that was controversial? Oh, okay. Well, so first I want to just gracefully insert this in. So I, when I ask the self, what is the purpose of life, the response I receive is more life. So everything always moving in the direction of more life. So that which is not life giving that which is depreciative in nature will be recycled to be repurposed for the greater service of more life. And so that's, you know, those are the transitory um, sick, you know, that this is what we're going through <laughs> as as nature renewing herself um, into more generative uh, uh, Ever, if you ever. don't bring food to the potluck, you don't get to eat kind of thing. 
<laughs> well, whatever is not useful will be recycled into that which is. Mm. And that goes with our consciousness, our ways of being, our behaviors, our structures, everything. Um, and so everything is moving in that direction of full flourishing. Um, you know, and so we get to see all these spaces and places where that's not, you know, if things aren't in congruence and it's just an opportunity to come into greater alignment. So it's all, it's all good. <laughs> like it's all good where we're going is all good. It's like the, the storm before the calm, the breakdown or the discord before the harmony, um, the chaos before the greater resolution. Um, you know, and that just is contingent upon how much we surrender into, into that harmony and choose it, you know, how much we resist choosing it or how much we gracefully choose it. Um, and, and that determines the seamlessness and the ease of our experience or the struggle and the fight of our experience. Um, and that's just us uh, as a, a species maturing, you know, and if you look at the, the, the maturation of a seed, it's the fruit. <laughs> so, you know, we always have that choice if, you know, our greatest option really is whether or not we align to that intelligence uh, that is inherent and innate to all of us. And well, controversial. So that's funny. There's so many things that we could, so many realms we can dance in with that. But I actually, an interesting question that I am still so fascinated about for all of my years of dancing in these realms of consciousness and spirituality, what is spiritual bypassing? I have so many like humorous notions about what this means and what this is in my own internal musings, but I'm so curious to receive both of your reflections on what this is to you. That's a great point. So then I guess I'll start. It's kind of difficult for me to answer because this is one of the terms that to me somehow came out of the blue and i was like okay what what is this like what are what is their issue <laughs> and ultimately i guess what it would mean technically is the idea of you know like putting up a spiritual front or something or maybe this could be a good way to describe it in a sense you know saying affirmations all day in terms of repeating it as a mantra or something but never really believing it so then you're not progressing. But I think there's even different notions of spiritual bypassing. What ultimately I realized was that it's, well, many people are afraid of it in a sense or accusing others of doing it. But to me, ultimately, it's just a question of whether or not, you know, you're facing yourself in each and every moment, or if you're trying to avoid that, that's kind of the impression I got from that. But I can just agree, I find the whole concept surrounding it equally curious and it also appears to me that this came up even more as more people were interested in it so then of course you have many that are not very diligent in their spiritual practice and then you could easily say you know they are using spiritual theories just to fortify their ego or to actually not look at themselves and i guess that's why the term has bloomed just because a much larger segment of the population is dealing with that and then it's kind of i guess to be expected that some of those, as I said, may not be as diligent, which again is not a judgment or anything, but I think this is where this whole terminology comes from. Beautiful. Thank you for that. And, and all of that too, I'm, what I'm hearing is just like to feel, our, to be intimately connected with our own feelings and our own body intelligence and wisdom and how we feel and what's going on for us and just being 
real and true and authentic about the experience that we're having and checking in with ourselves and, instead of overriding it with a mechanism of the mind. But I don't, I don't know if I would even allude to that as spiritual <clears throat> bypassing. Um, I would say that that's just an invitation to, to, to become more intimate uh, with the self and the sentient feeling nature of our experience. Um, yeah, beautiful reflections. Thank you. Jim, Jim. I think, uh, okay, so it depends on the perspective, because one could say one is spiritual bypassing if you're just eating Twinkies and watching Nickelodeon, and you're not doing the spiritual work, you're bypassing it. You're just hitting the easy button and being a glutton for the lower senses. So that's one kind of way. The way I tend to think of it in the Galactic Heritage cards, there's this Pleiades card called uh, Imbalance of Positive Polarity. That's how I tend to think of it. Um, right, that's right, a good point. point. Maybe explain can, this a bit. Right. Well, I forget the story behind the card, but I think it was something like, base, uh, and I, maybe Rafael, you remember or you have it handy. Well, the, the, the way, uh, without needing to read, maybe, are you familiar with the Pleiadian story, Solera, or Alyssa Royal, maybe in particular, Prism of Lyra? No, I'm not. But okay, I'm familiar so, with the Pleiades and Lyra. Right. So the simple idea as I, and this may not be now the canon what's written in the book, but the way I grok it is the idea that the Pleiadians in their historical development, you know, they're seen like as our cousins and I like to see them like as the, you know, space hippies or something, but that in their early development, not like, for example, some Orions, they were deep into the negative. The Pleiadians were deep into the positive to such a point that they couldn't even, that's the way I see it, perceive the shadows and the depths of the other side of the polarity and therefore made all kinds of choices out of, from their perspective, you know, pure love and excitement. Like naivete, potentially. Exactly. And I believe there's even a story about the Seven Sisters and something like having one of their eyes covered or something along those lines, which kind of echoes that story as well in an astronomical, mythological sense. So yeah, naivete in a sense, yeah. Right. So for me, when we say... Uh, spiritual bypassing i guess what i tend to think of because you can hear that I, I i try to hold the tension of paradox i'm like it's both and so death is real so is life and when someone's like you know no we're just gonna go to the fucking six flags and eat cotton candy all day and only have good times and if i'm not you know you know having orgasms 24 7 and in pure ecstasy in a certain way without like kind of experiencing the other flavors of reality that to me is spiritual bypassing more or less um, you know, there are kids with distended bellies. There are, you know, economies that enslave swaths of the population. I'm glad you're 20x up. Not everybody is, right? So it's like, I th and then this gets tricky because then it sounds like I don't, it's both. So it's like the, when it's high noon, that's beautiful. But to say high noon is best and only high noon is okay and, and midnight and on a new moon is not okay, don't even pretend it exists, and only follow the sun, like that to me feels I mean, it, I guess it depends on a lot of things, but that feels like uh, what I guess spiritual bypassing is, where it's like, we're not going to talk about anything negative. I mean, this happens a lot in spiritual communities, right? Where people like don't. And yeah, it's that, that's ironic. a good point, actually. Yeah. Yeah, because I'll say it to my brother, I'm like, I, I, I criticize him of being, being the NT man. He's like, you can't do this. You won't do this and stuff. But like limits are healthy, too. Right. Saturn is an aspect of reality. Um, Orions don't have it all right, but they have some elements of it. Right. In some way, like structuralism, I guess you could say, or hierarchy. Um, it's tricky. It's tricky shit. I can answer uh, this briefly to just to ask, the, as I like to call it, you know, CIA Wikipedia. Um, 
Here it says spiritual bypass or spiritual bypassing is a tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, and unfinished developmental tasks. Here it says the term was introduced already in the early 1980s by John Wellwood, a Buddhist teacher and psychotherapist. Oh, well. And another kind of concept that comes up when people are like, oh, that person's really hard to deal with. They're a narcissist. Like, that's a good example where they're like, it's all their fault and I have nothing, you know, I'm squeaky clean and they're the bad guy. That's kind of spiritual bypassing. I think there's a lot of flavors to it. I don't think it's one thing. Anyway, go ahead, Slur. I love that definition that you just read and I love your insights as well. Because what was coming up for me, what I was hearing was, well, yeah, initially, like not attuning to the emotions and actually being present to the, the spiritual, uh, emotional, psychological processes that are unfolding. So to avert, so aversion and avoidance were what I was hearing throughout all of that. But that's actually where the power is generated. And so in my early years, when I was going through, oh my goodness, like, it's just such a depth of trauma on every conceivable level imaginable. The only way for me to harmonize in my system was to literally look at all those things that I had been avoiding looking at or I didn't want to look at and actually merge with them and learn how to perceive them as equally divine. And that is what actually ultimately liberated my power. Um, because I was, there was no, I wasn't resisting it anymore. So when, you know, I think it's beautiful to embrace all the things, to embrace all the things and especially the things that we choose. But if there's an aversion, it creates a natural friction in our field and then it just becomes an escapism. Um, but we just really short circuit our own power when we do that. I completely agree. And also, that's maybe why it's a strange thing, because like, why would anyone ever want to do it to the degree that you cannot do it just because I see it as if we talk about progress again, you know, it's the most uh, efficient way in a sense, just to face yourself to the extent that you're able in any given moment, because that's, you know, where all the gold is, right? Yeah. yeah. So you see this with substances, though. People are like, I just want to go to the bar, or I just want to smoke weed today and not feel these feelings. And it's it's tricky because I think there's a season for that, but then you get a you get you hit a bottom, and it's like, do you keep repeating that or not? Um, and that's where maturity comes. And it's funny because you were talking about um, going like moving into your trauma and stuff. There's how would I put this? It's not like a an equation, but I think there's times when that's not appropriate. Like it's not okay. Like you know, if you've just been raped or something, it's like not time to process that right away. Probably you know, it's like that's going to take some time to get around to. Um, so like avoidance can be protective, but then we can kind of suckle on it in a way that causes us um, to atrophy <laughs> essentially and not progress. And that's where the cobwebs that we talked about earlier kind of start forming, and the weird creepy crawlies come in and. We get addicted to it, and then we start trying to maintain those places where it's like, well, if I don't have my joint today, I will flip – or my coffee or my – you know, whatever it is. Like we become attached. This is the whole Buddhist thing, right? The attachments to these – you know, and it's ironic because the presupposition with Buddhism is like it's all suffering. You can't avoid it. So what you're doing to try to cope with the avoidance of the suffering is part of the problem. You're attaching to those things. Um, but then when you have – you know, when you get kind of behind it and say, you know <laughs> – Everybody hurts, I guess, REM style. Um, but now it's a, like the suffering in that sense is a choice. 
So it's like the pursuit of the avoidance or um, kind of stillness and acceptance. And it's kind of like Lieutenant Dan, I guess, in Forrest Gump. Like he was like, I, you know, he had expectations, attachments, right? He's like, I need to die in a certain way, like my lineage or whatever. He's He's got this whole like built up philosophy of like, I'm a warrior and I got to die a warrior. And he didn't. He lost his legs and he's like yeah, survived and, you know, didn't fall in like the little patch of grass or whatever in the little montage where it's like my forefathers all fell in war and I didn't. And now I'm freaking out because my expectation to the identity is collapsing. And oh my God, ultimately we're all weird God children freaking out on the playground. And he had to have a moment where he like freaked the fuck out with God in the storm water, but then he found his peace. And that's, I mean, I think that's the whole point of the Psalms in a sense. It's like, you can freak out, but then it's like, allow the stillness to settle in like you there's i mean in a weird way like you can't overwhelm god if you want to put it that way so it's like let it all out because that kind of you know and don't get addicted to anger and all this kind of stuff but it's like let it out in a healthy way it flushes the system you move the water through you know the stagnant pipes or whatever and then all of a sudden you might have a, a chance of seeing things in a new clearer light with a flow like you're saying um but it's funny because yesterday with Zora we had him on um a friend of mine who's an author you'd actually like him he's in japan but he's a canadian anyway um he was talking about i mean the paradox is like you know the the maya the samsara is nirvana like there's nothing to attain here it's a matter of shifting perspective so if you can like get to this weird middle place i mean the thing that i kind of said yesterday and i'm not doing it all the time but like i guess the point of it all is like to go to your secret little happy place inside and let that spread out to everything else outside of you and and there is no difference like everything is your happy place right so it's like oh my gosh like you can in a weird way that's how you can bring grace and compassion to any situation including you know war zones and you know brothels or whatever the fuck kind of dark pockets of the game people are playing yes there's just so much nectar in everything that you just shared and that's i mean that's the well the truth of it too is the shift in the perception um and also the for so for me the unifying force is beauty and i was actually going to bring forth an experience that i did have in my 20s and this is such a stark representation of this where i did experience rape and then i was paid one thousand dollars to get on an airplane to fly out of the city where i was raped and by the on the gentleman um to not ever speak of it to anybody and i was in shock for the first, you know, couple of weeks after that experience, like I just kept moving through the motions and I was doing, you know, all the things that I knew to do in life. And I actually, so what my uh, original, and this is where I really got this lesson was profound for me. I was, I kept blessing him. I just kept blessing him with light, blessing him with love, blessing myself, blessing all the events that had unfolded. And I just kept giving it light and giving it love. And I, the message that kept arising in my consciousness was just be honest with yourself, just be honest. And I kept getting it over and over and over again. So then I finally stopped one day in the midst of all of this, because no matter how much light I threw on it, no matter how much I blessed it, there was still this profound dynamic tension that was existing in the core of my being. And when I just stopped and got really real and honest about how I felt and I vocalized, it was just me. I did a whole fire ceremony around it and an invocation and an activation. And actually, after I did that activation is when the Me Too movement and the, the San Francisco fires took place. And I intimately connected those experiences together just simply based on the timing 
um, of how everything was unfolding, I built a massive fire in my backyard and I just stood out and I called upon all of um, my, my supernatural allies and companions. And I just, from the deepest space of love in my heart, was just so authentic about how I felt and what was going on inside of me. And it liberated such a pristine line of power, but it was, I had to remove my judgment from what I was feeling. So I was judging myself and this is where the desire to just continue blessing everything was coming from. I was judging myself as not being good, holy, divine, sanctified, all of these things. And that's why I was avoiding it because I was trying to be divine about it out of, from a true sincere space of love, but not recognizing that I was actually not allowing for the fullness of love to emerge um, organically by being in my truth, because my truth around what was happening is what actually reoriented the field and would allow for that being to ultimately learn what they needed to learn in their experience to grow. And I was withholding that, but I didn't have that awareness until I just brought through the full transmission of my truth. And I was authentic. I was like, this is how I feel about it. This is what's going on within me. And it actually catalyzed a Kundalini awakening, which, you know, is a process of integrating for um, two years in my, in my journey. <clears throat> but I, it came through doing the exact opposite of what I thought that I should do to, you know, enter into an experience of that profound nature. And, and it was just, I was honest with myself about how I felt. And I just full on fire ceremony, full on invocation activation experience. And, you know, I mean, I harnessed the power of how I felt to activate um, liberation of women globally. Like I went to a full on activation about it that every you know being who's ever experienced anything like i have would be uh, syndicated resolved within their being liberated freed healed harmonized all of that it just went full power um and what it actually awoke me to is something so much greater than if i had just stayed in the space of resisting that truth and judging it you know and just kept trying to bless things or um pass over it but i will say i don't want to because that's the irony right where it's like you had yeah, to do a certain yeah. thing but you can't rush these things and everyone's cooking in a different kind of kitchen so i mean if you ask like hey what's for dinner to like a curry restaurant it's not the same thing as a pizzeria but it is all food Yes. And that's where the authenticity comes through. And I think that that's where, you know, these, these blanket generalizations of like what, what bypassing it's, it's just such, it's, I don't know if I would utilize that. Well, I wouldn't utilize that exact terminology, but and I would actually present a greater invitation through the voice of love for, for beings to become more intimately attuned to their own authentic experience. Cause that's ultimately what it feels like to me is, what are you authentically experiencing right now? And can whatever that is, whether it's filtered through a lens of perceived negativity or positivity, can it be equally as beautiful and perfect? And to me, that feels like the point of resolution. That's what's up. So yeah, it's tricky. I wasn't saying how to put it. I, I think what I was 
trying to say. It was like when you were like, I'm just going to keep blessing this no matter what. That's what I would say is going into that. But you had to go through that. In a sense, you had to hit a pocket and be like, look, you know what? Like, that's the whole point of the Psalms. It's like, uh, and this gets tricky because once you uh, once you shout, like, maybe that's what nullifies the victim, victimizer kind of situation. Because I think it's a new age kind of high lofty 5D place. There's like, there are no victims and perpetrators. We're all playing the game. You know, Hitler's cool, just like, you know, I guess Mr. Rogers. Yay. They're all just preferring different things. But that's very different than being on the battle, you know, on the, like what you were saying, you know, having a sexual trauma and all this kind of stuff like that kind of awareness trickles in differently there right so it's like yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's tricky right that's the hardest part i think that's i mean that's what i'm still a christian i think largely because like jesus was like look i got the fuck beaten out of me i got down to a piece of wood i got ostracized my family didn't like me like he understands victimization at a real level like you know i'm not saying buddha doesn't but it's like that's a different kind of algorithm altogether in my opinion and you know krishna and all this stuff it's like if, if in a weird way it's like the christ kind of energy or understanding story whatever is is one of like life is chewing us up it is suffering but you know you're valuable and indispensable and i'm here with you kind of thing in spite of that like you're never alone um whereas i think buddhism is kind of agnostic at best if not atheistic uh you know, Buddha was like, there is no God. We just got to kind of escape the illusion of the fact that, you know, we're separate beings or whatever. He goes straight to 5D. I think he was a Taurus, actually. But, like, his trip was a little different, right? So, anyway, it's it's tricky. And even, like, yesterday we were talking about it, what's kind of flux, fluxes me out really hard is, like, we're trying to come to heads and tails and a thing. And then I look around and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's an infinite amount of different – I mean, it's infinitely scopic and – like, it's a fractal. It's, like, it's all relative. So, you know, somebody, you know, there's battles where it's like, or like I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example, like Fukushima. That just happened a year ago, or not a year ago, but on March 11th, a decade ago. And, um, like, that's really not good situation. Whereas some, you know, company who does radiation cleanup was like, hell yeah, or, you know, COVID masks. Like, somebody who's making masks, like, time for the sales to go, or, you know. So it's like, it's all a matter of perspective, which is really bizarre to me. Um, and I guess the ultimate truth, which isn't hard, it's the simplest thing, it's like, it's all love. Um, it might not be human cultural love. Like, different cultures have different, you know, Japanese people are very strict, you know. Um, Southern, you know, people are very friendly or whatever the cliches are right culturally and these are all interpretations of the still the one thing which is love but that's even a vague word it's like consciousness experiencing itself it is, i mean it's the highest thing but th this kind of differentiation between like 5d truths and like 3d you know it's one thing to say that we're winning the battle it's another thing to be in the trenches having grenades lobbed at you and being like i just lost an arm holy shit i guess we're technically winning uh but i'm hurting here right so it's kind of a catch-22 paradox thus is life at this stage for me at least yeah that's the you know the, the battlegrounds are where mastery um is experienced. I mean, I've certainly selected into my fair share of fiery initiatory experiences, but I, but I realized and recognized that I was doing that and it was to extract the mastery because that's what my soul uniquely uh, required in order to see things at a greater expanse. So my capacity to shift something that is malevolent into something that, that is benevolent based upon my perceptual lens um, you know, it sometimes required me going into really challenging scenarios, 
where I would have to look at something that was very malevolent in nature um, in through the lens of love in order for the reality to shift itself. And I may not have discovered that in any other way. And that's why I uniquely opted into those experiences. Well said. So we have another guest coming on. Uh, so we should probably be wrapping this up. But uh, it's been a real pleasure getting on here. We'll have to get you on here some other time. Um, usually we get you know people on as an intro kind of like, who are you for the people to know? Um, but there's some other people I would love. I mean, to have you talk with, uh, even if it was like you and Timothy uh, Brainerd, I don't know if you're still talking to him much, but um, there's all sorts of people to co-mingle and arc, you know, alchemize with, uh, and you're an interesting mind and soul. Do appreciate you coming on and giving us your time. Are there any kind of, we'll put your um, you know, website in the li- uh, li- comments and the links, um, but tell people, I guess, however you want to plug yourself, what they, how they can reach you, and also any kind of parting thought. Ah, beautiful. It's It's been such an honor and a pleasure and a joy to traverse the infinite terrain of consciousness with you both today. So thank you very much for inviting me on for this beautiful conversation. Um, so www.solarrose.com is my website. If you want to learn more, there's um, free gifts, transmissions, uh, different ways that you can connect with me personally and intimately um, directly through the portal of my site, Solar Sophia Rose on Facebook. Um, imparting thoughts. Mm. Be fully magnificently every single ounce of who you uniquely are. That's the greatest gift that you could give to anyone and to us and to the world and to life and the greatest fulfillment. I believe that, you know, we can each experience is to just be fully diversely who we, who we are from moment to moment to moment. So love you, embrace you, be you thrive. <laughs> That's hot. As Paris Hilton would say, uh, yeah, do you, we really appreciate you coming on guys, team rabbit hole. We're all out here doing our thing. Uh, it's like X-Men. Some people are more like Wolverine. Some people are like Jean Grey. But we're all doing it. So pat yourself on the back and look for people that you resonate with, that you can do good things with, like, you know, expand. Uh, don't avoid the challenges like Lieutenant Dan, but uh, ultimately just kind of accept, I guess. And I'm having to learn that acceptance in a very real way. Raphael? Thank you so much, Solara, for sharing. Thank you, Jim, as always. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Be yourselves and enjoy yourselves. Thank you.